Redeath is the story of Ashabi, a housewife in her late 20s who is determined to make a name for herself in the world, despite the hurdles on her path and the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. Chapter 10 Ire Tomiwa had a fever. Ashabi woke up around midnight to his loud cry and she couldn't explain what was wrong. With shaky hands, she unzipped his tent bed and carried him out carefully. Taking off the baby blanket, she wrapped around the small body. She unbuttoned his onesies, unclasping each pin one at a time. Beleo mommy, she said as she rubbed her right palm across his back gently. In her embrace, he quieted a little bit, but he continued to sniff gently. Thinking aloud, Ashabi asked, Hey God, what do I know is wrong with him? Just as she got up from the bed to get her purple box of baby medications, she heard a loud blast from Ire's bomb. It sounded like a mini earthquake crashing against the riverbank. So she held him upright against her chest as he did his poop into the diaper. It stunk like a three-day-old meal that had been abandoned and inherited by worms. But of course, she was used to the extremely suffocating smell of baby poop. As Ashabi touched the now soggy and heavy diaper, she noticed that a part of the poop had begun to stream out of the left side of Ire's bum. So she got up, held him a little away from her body and walked into the bathroom. Ah, there's no hot water in the flask. Ashabi remembered, disappointed. So she returned to her bedside and opened the blue see-through rectangle-shaped basket where she kept her baby's cleaning items. She picked out the blue angel baby wipes and returned to the bathroom. Grabbing the small brown stool under the washing basin, she set Ire between her legs, placing his upper body in between her left breast and her right arm. Then she took off the clasp on the right side of the diaper. Before she could open the clasp on the opposite side, the now stinky poop-soaked diaper fell off to the cold bathroom tiles. Sensing that he was now free of the burden previously bound to his bum, Ire Tomiwa went quiet. Ashabi looked at the ugly poop that had splashed on the tile and wished this was not happening to her at midnight. She hated baby poop, but more than that, she hated baby poop that fell out of the diaper. It stunk like a pig's mansion or rotten food. She didn't know which was worse. Clearing the thoughts of her poop hate from her mind, Ashabi opened the blue plastic cover of the angel baby wipes and pulled out as many wipes as her fingers could touch, separating one mildly moist piece from the book that she held with her left hand. Ashabi notched Ire to part his legs and she cleaned off the poop stains that surrounded his little penis. Ire shifted from side to side as the cold sensation from the wipes spread around his little bum and penis. Even though his body was still feverish, he didn't seem as cranky as when he first woke up. I hope you'll feel better after this blast, Ashabi said as she wiped Ire's spotless bum the third time. 
dropping the noun dirty wipes on the filthy diaper, Ashabi got up from the stool, stepped into the bedroom and placed the pack of angel baby wipes back in the blue case. All the while, she had depended on her phone's flashlight. There was hardly power supply at midnight in their neighborhood. And in the daytime, they only had five hours of electricity. Most times, she had to wash and fetch water into the storage containers while the power lasted. Is he okay? Ashabi heard Teju say from his side of the bed. He has a fever and just pooped. She responded without turning to look Teju in the face. She hated how Teju always cleared from a distance, and she was sure he had woken up when Ire started crying, but he chose not to stand up. He always did that. Have you used the thermometer? If we know what the temperature is, we can give him paracetamol before morning. Teju added without making a move. He wasn't ready to disturb his princely sleep. I will use it now, Ashabi replied coldly. Why was he giving instructions when he could get up and grab the thermometer? He knew that the purple medicine box was right beside their standing fan. Letting silence take over the atmosphere, Ashabi grabbed her phone to check the time. It was 3.51 a.m. So she took out one of the Huggies diapers from the pack, laid Iria on his back against the bed and placed the diaper under his bum. Gently, she pulled up the front part of the diaper over his penis and then grabbed the soft claps from the rear side and clasped them on the right and left sides. Ire Tomiwa watched Aha with a small smile on his baby face, trying to hold her hand as she walked on his diaper. Seeing that he was now more relaxed, Ashabi moved Ire closer to Teju's body as she went in search of the thermometer. The sound of frogs croaking in the night made Ashabi feel nervous. She disliked night time in her neighborhood, especially in that house. Anytime she stood beside one of the windows, she always felt like someone was outside watching her. Other times, she would see a big cat walking seductively on the fence and she wondered how the broken glass cemented into the fence top did not prevent the cats from moving on them. Sometimes, she would see three cats move at the same time and her heart would beat as if the witches of the world had just arrived at her doorstep. As she bent to take the small purple box that contained her baby's medicines, she didn't bother looking out the window. She wasn't ready for any 4am witches in the guise of wild cats. Sitting on her side of the bed, Ashabi unzipped the purple bag and listened as the sound of the zip filled the midnight quiet. She dug her right hand through the bottles of paracetamol, multivitamins, vitamin C, cough syrup and methylated spirits before finally noticing the green and white rubber thermometer with a metal tip. She sighed with relief, placed the box on the ground and turned to Iri who was now quietly sleeping against Teju's right side. Carefully parting his right arm from his small, steaming body, Ashabi pressed the black power button on the thermometer and placed it in Iri's armpit. Taking her phone from the bed, Ashabi waited patiently as the thermometer did its magic. 
she was both anxious and afraid because she knew that anything above 37 degrees meant they might have to go to the hospital. As the thermometer made the first beep, Ashabi hoped it would count four times instead of 12. If it beeped 12 times, then it meant the fever was extremely high. But if it made the sound only four times, she knew everything was okay. At the sound of the fourth beep, Ashabi's heart traveled back from her throat to where it belonged. She slowly removed the thermometer from Ire's armpit and looked at the figure on the small LED face. 37.3 degrees. Thank God, Ashabi said, relieved. It's not too high. I'll just give him paracetamol now. What is it? Tejo asked, looking at Ashabi in the darkness. 37.3 degrees Celsius. Ashabi replied as she turned off the thermometer with a small power button. This little instrument held the keys to her peace and sanity. And she was grateful that this one time, it had not condemned her to a life of misery admitted to the hospital with her baby. Moving like a snail so he did not wake his son, Tedru said, Okay, give him the paracetamol then. Let's watch him till morning. If he's feeling better, we won't have to go to the clinic. Alright, Ashabi said as she took out the red paracetamol pack and grabbed the small spoon she used to measure the baby's medicine. Since it was around 9 months old, his recommended dose was 5 milliliters. So she measured a little and waited for Tejo to have a very rightly positioned in his arm to receive the medicine. As the tip of the spoon touched Ire's lips, he began to shake his head in protest. Ashabi knew Ire didn't want the medicine, but he needed it at this time, and this product was quite sweet, so she hoped Ire would tolerate it at least for now. He had just taken his vaccination for nine months, so she suspected that he was still trying to recover from the pain of the vaccine. Ashabi noticed Ire open his mouth to release a cry, and she seized that moment to pour the medicine into the left corner of his mouth. In one sudden gulp, Ire swallowed the medicine. Ashabi smiled mischievously. Mission accomplished. She went to the living room to have some time to herself. Noticing that some curtains were still up in the window, she grabbed and pulled them down. When the curtains were down, Ashabi was never afraid of being watched by humans in the body of cats. And even when the cats did not perform their detective dance, she hated imagining that there were some eyes somewhere staring down at her and trying to hijack her soul from her body. Falling to her knees beside the grey sofa, she clasped both hands together to pray. My father in heaven, thank you for today. Please don't let Hirei fall sick. You know we don't have money to go to the hospital. And even though the lockdown has been suspended, I'm still afraid of this coronavirus thing. Please, God. Pausing to remember whatever else she could pray about, she continued. Please, God, provide a better house for us. As the landlord has told us to pack out, Please help us to get a place that does not have flying cockroaches, spiders and scorpions. Help us to get an apartment where the power supply is more frequent and where the pumping machine does not get faulty all the time. Let the neighbors be friendly and let them like children. 
let my son have enough space to play both inside the house and in the compound make the network for calls and internet good in that area and let the road be good so that there will not be flooding after rain don't give us a house where the roof will be leaking and we'll be afraid anytime rain is falling let my kitchen be big so that i can buy an oven and be able to cook and bake anything i want let all the rooms be big so that i can arrange our things very well and let the compound have trees and plants so that everywhere will be beautiful and safe for us be with my husband and provide the money to pay for the house i know there is no money for rent now thank you god for listening to me and answering my prayers touching her belly bump she remembered one more prayer and be with my new baby I don't know what the baby's gender will be, but I pray that you will give us any gender that you think will be good for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Putting her head against the sofa, Ashabi felt a powerful surge of hope and peace travel through her entire being. She always felt like this whenever she prayed, as if God needed her body to feel that he had heard every word she said. She decided to remain in that position for a while to be sure Erie was sound asleep. By morning, they would know the final verdict. She didn't want to go to the hospital. She disliked the hospital, even though the doctors and nurses were friendly. Paying hospital bills was one thing that caused her and Teddy to have months-old misunderstandings, and she wasn't ready for any of it. She wanted peace at all costs, and she hoped God would be gracious and just take the fever away before morning. Closing her eyes, she let herself take a trip to heaven to find out what God's will was about the fever, the new apartment, and the gender of our unborn babe. days later, Ashabi visited the hospital for her monthly antenatal visit. Tejo had agreed to let them watch Iri for a while since the fever broke just before dawn that morning. Their little boy went back to walking and falling, crawling and playing around as before, as if nothing had happened. Ashabi was thankful. Who says God doesn't answer prayers, she thought. Today, she had hoped they would leave home before 10 a.m., their usual lateness time. But somehow, all our efforts to speed up our preparations have failed. Teju parked their car outside the antenatal clinic entrance at exactly 9.58 a.m. Grabbing a brown, brandless bag from the footmat on the left side of the, their car, Ashabi confirmed that she had taken a green hospital card and purple journal. That journal was an archive of everything about her pregnancy, from how she felt when she discovered she was pregnant to what she expected her child to look like. Ashabi picked up Ire's yellow toy sports car and gave it to him. As he tried to wiggle out of the car seat, Teju said, Don't worry, just take your bag and go. You are already late. Yes, I hope these nurses will not roll their eyes at me. They are good at smiling at me, but I know deep down they are scolding me as if I were some stubborn goat that never obeys instructions. 
Ashabi explained, trying to hide the anger in her voice. Of course, Teju was always the cause of her lateness, but she was wise enough not to accuse him to his face. Opening the car door, Ashabi placed her right foot on the wet grass before pulling herself completely out into the hot sun, immersed in cloudy skies. Dear God, help me all. Ashabi said as she closed the door behind her and began to walk towards the antenatal clinic entrance. Don't let me be the last person the doctor will see today. You know I try my best to come early. Just as she began to approach the pavement that led to the antenatal main door, Ashabi saw Mommy Shukura, one of the friendly staff who worked in the clinic. Mommy, Ray, you are late again today. Ah, Ogao, eh? Smiling from year to year, Mommy Shukura said, unaware that her comment was a sword that cut through Ashabi's frail heart. Refusing to show her heart, Ashabi responded, Ah, Ekarom, my map, you know. I usually try to be early, but it's not always easy. Before I finish taking care of Iri and the house, time will have gone. While she was explaining, Ashabi wasn't quite sure. But she hoped that Mommy Shukura would speak in her defense when other women were talking about her. Mommy Shukura looked like she was in her early 30s, so Ashabi believed she had a younger, more open perspective on life. Kusiwala, you're already here. Mommy Shukura replied as she looked down at the blue files in her hands. I'm coming. Let me take these files to the other department, Mumbo, eh? Ashabi watched the woman walk away before she gathered the courage to enter the small room where other pregnant women and new mothers sat. A nurse in a blue uniform was standing and speaking to the women. Ashabi greeted her with a smile and nod before she carefully shoved herself through the legs that now occupy the few seats in the left area of the room, dedicated to expectant mothers. If you don't eat well, your baby cannot grow well. And if you don't use your prenatal vitamins, it means you don't care about your baby's health. The slim woman said emphatically, we have seen women who will be pregnant and still be drinking alcohol. Eh? Alcohol is not good for your baby's health. Even if you like drinking alomo bitters or red label, at least wait till your baby arrives. Eh? Don't drink alcohol when you are pregnant. Eat good food. Fruits and vegetables are very good at this time. And use the medicine that we recommend for you. If you are using Pregmom, or pregnant care. Use them every day. Don't say you don't like it. Eh? Don't stop using your calcium and folic acid. Your baby needs them to be well formed. Ashadi noticed as the nurse watched the faces of the women on the seats as she spoke, gesticulating both with her body and hands. Many of them were looking at her and nodding their heads like a faithful dog listens to its owner but others were pressing their phones and minding their business. Even though Ashabi had heard these things before, she didn't mind listening to them again. She disliked the pregnancy medications, but she didn't have the guts not to use them. She did not want to be responsible for anything going wrong with her baby. Looking around, Ashabi noticed the mothers with babies who went behind the counter at the center of the antenatal waiting room. That was the area where babies received their vaccines and cried their lungs off. She was grateful that Iwe was gradually getting closer 
to the end of these immunization dramas. After nine months, the next immunization was for when he was one year old. And after that one was the one for when he turned 15 months old. Ashabi waited for two hours before she was led by one of the staff to the only doctor that attended to pregnant women. In the room to the right was the doctor who saw women who had other gynecological concerns. And the third door was dedicated to women who came for birth control counseling and child planning. After going through her file and asking her a couple of questions, Dr. Fadike asked Ashabi to lie on the flat hospital bed. Ashabi sat at the edge of the bed before taking off her brown sandal. Then she lifted her left leg first to the white cloth and then the next leg. Ashabi lifted her red and brown patterned loose blouse and moved the waistband of her palazzo pants a little lower. The doctor applied a cold, sticky gel-like substance to the surface of her bum and began to spread it using the small white handheld machine. As the small monitor moved around on Ashabi's tummy, some sounds filled the room like a microphone being tested. After a few seconds of locating the right position, the doctor paused the movement. Then Ashabi began to hear the racing heartbeat of her baby. It was so fast and loud like a horse galloping to victory. She wasn't sure if those loud heartbeats made her happy or nervous, but at this moment, all that mattered was that those heartbeats meant that her baby was doing well and getting ready to make its grand entrance into this world. With her right hand still holding the small Doppler on Ashabi's tummy, the doctor watched the wall clock right above her table and chair area. After what seemed like two minutes, the doctor took some tissue paper from the table and wiped off the gel on Ashabi's bum. You can get up. Dr. Fadike said as she walked to her seat to write down whatever she had noticed. Gently lifting herself off the narrow bed, Ashabi pulled her blouse over her belly, putting her feet in her sandals, and she walked back to her chair on the right side of Dr. Fadike's table. Everything looks good, madam. Do you still have your prenatal vitamins? Yes, ma. I'm currently using pregnant care, folic acid and calcium, Ashabi supplied. Very good. Make sure you are eating a lot of fresh food too, with a lot of leafy vegetables. And get enough rest too. Everything will be alright. Thank you, ma. Ashabi said as she fixed the buckle of her sandal and watched Dr. Fadeke's face. She wanted to ask about when to stop breastfeeding, but she wasn't sure it was a good time. I'll just ask next time, Ashabi thought. Walking out of the doctor's office, Ashabi smiled and greeted the only woman sitting on one of the chairs in the corridor. She wasn't quite sure if she felt relieved or disappointed, but she knew she was doing the right thing for her baby and herself, and she couldn't wait to be done with antenatal visits and all of these routines. Stepping into the hot sun, Ashabi walked towards the car park and noticed Tedru and Ire leaning against the left back door of their car. They looked happy together and she hoped their happiness would last a lifetime and not be polluted by the witches and wizards of the world.